0: At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card bakers fresh for everyone
1: hello and welcome to the social psychic radio show featuring jason zook in uncertain times we must change our focus and priorities this show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity love and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone.
0: Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of presenting special guest, Margaret Mary O'Connor author of the book, Scandal in the Shadows, the original priest, Mary Mother. Margaret has a bachelor of science degree from the University of Buffalo and a master's of art in pastoral ministry from Christ the King Seminary in East Aurora, New York. She's a former chaplain and currently is a Eucharistic minister. Margaret literally walks the walk on picket lines to help keep the issues of women's ordination and the church accountability on the pre-sexual abuse issue at the forefront of any Catholic's attention. She believes any Catholic deserves, at minimal, at least the truth from Rome, as opposed to the continual outright deception they're receiving. She also is a member of Call to Action Future Church, Roman Catholic Women Priests, Women's Ordination Conference, and SNAP, Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests. And Margaret also belongs to the Buffalo Central Terminal, Preservation Buffalo Niagara, Western New York Land Conservancy Margaret is the recipient of the Special Award for Achievement from the Dale Carnegie Public Speaking Course. She enjoys gardening, pilates, and reading mystery books. And it's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of presenting Margaret to the show. Welcome to the show, Margaret.
2: Oh, thank you, Jason. I'm glad to be here.
0: Glad to have you. We've had a a rocky road trying to get this thing organized. It's between my fire and my AC a couple weeks ago, and then just us coordinating. I'm so happy to have you on, by the way. I love that you're passionate about the role of women in the church, the Catholic church. And for me, I believe in equality and everything. And that's just something that I believe in with social justice and just issues in general. And I wanted to ask you, what has made you decide to challenge the Catholic church on ordination of women priests?
2: The main factor, Jason, is when I found out the truth of the subject, that there indeed were women priests in our Catholic church's history, I obviously was lied to. And I'm just one Catholic out there. But what about all the Catholics, not only here in the U.S., the Catholic woman and worldwide that have absolutely no idea of this actual truth? And I'll tell you that really, in my case anyway, that really jumpstarts you because it's such an awful feeling to realize that, I mean, if you were lied by anyone, but supposedly in particular your church. That just has a whole other cutting edge to it. And I just believe that it's time that the truth comes out and that they stop lying to any woman in the Catholic church.
0: When you say that the history of the church, there were women priests in the past. I want to see if you can elaborate a little bit of that for our audience.
2: Oh, sure. Uh, From the time I grew up in the Catholic church, that was way back in the 1950s, you just Heard that for a woman, anyway, that there never were woman priests. And yet, through my years growing up, I heard, like I'll call them rumors, that there were women priests. So my curiosity got to me. And finally, through my research, yes, there explicitly was a period in our early Catholic Church, in the early, uh, the first centuries, the first 1,200 years, in fact, there were women that were ordained. And Gary Macy came out with that statement uh, in his book, The Hidden History of Woman Priest in the uh, ch- Catholic Church. So beyond just having woman priests, there were as well woman bishops and woman deacons. And the most fascinating woman priest, and first before I, I, I mention this, I just want your audience to know this is not make-believe. I'm not making up some incredible story. This is backed uh, factually on uh, biblical research. Now, Mother Mary, Jesus's mother, was indeed a woman priest. And she was called Mary Priest. And believe it or not, her title She was known as the model for all priesthood in the Catholic Church. And I mean, when you think of where women are today in the Catholic Church in the context of this whole issue, I mean, isn't that ironic that Mary would hold such a title?
0: This is where I scratch my head. You're talking about something that's monumental, an epic shift, a paradigm shift that you're thinking that Mother Mary, Mother of Jesus, was the original priest for the model upon which the church was yes. based originally. And then you're also indicating that there's 1200 years, if I'm right when I'm saying that, where women had the equal rights of being priests in the church. Yes. Up, up until about the year 1200 AD, which would have been the middle ages in Europe. How, how could it be that historical record, I know things weren't really written down as much back then, but how could it be that the historical record has been whitewashed to prevent the public from knowing the truth.
2: As well, in a, in a sense, it, it very conveniently, I'll, I'll use the word hidden. It got hidden in the historical records because anytime like the Catholic church decides whatever it is, we're not going to have it any longer. And in this case, the scribes, if they knew the Catholic church was not allowing for women, you know, to be priests, bishops, deacons, well, then obviously They have the discretion not to mention that in any of their writings going forward. So in a sense, it was literally buried. Because why would they mention these women if they weren't to them? It didn't mean anything. But for the church, oh, that was just, that was the perfect scandal. And I, yes, I will use scandal because scandal does mean omission. So basically, the church hierarchy is omitting the truth here of not only Mother Mary, but as well of any of the other women, priests, bishops, and beyond that, apostles. (laughs) Don't get me going, Jason. We all have heard of Mary Magdala, and when they finally got her history correct, She's the one apostle that you do hear as a woman apostle. There's a name I'll give you Junia and for centuries this was thought that he was a male apostle and yet through the biblical research now we found find out no this was indeed a woman apostle.
0: Junia was a woman apostle? Yes. So how many apostles were there based on your historical record of the review of the facts that you Well,
2: they, they mentioned in various books the woman at the tomb. There were several there. There were Susanna, Nino, but really, who were apostles? There was a concept that was really, it was hidden, and it was found by this woman, Ida Ramming, that did research. And she said, who is an apostle? An apostle is anyone that is divinely and officially sent out by their community or by the risen one himself. So then that gives more credence when you start hearing other woman apostles' names. Because we all, unfortunately, have just that one story to go by that Jesus, of course, sent out the 12 male apostles. And we never hear of this concept of apostleship, that is just conveniently.
0: <laughs> what I find surprising, and it it's actually shouldn't be surprising, because when you look at the history of two thousand years plus, it's not baffling to me to hear that there were role information hidden from over time, put into a deep enough hiding place for it. I don't know how else to say it to be deceptive, right? If you're going to look at this critically and you think to the Catholic Church they're trying to control things and keep things in a certain way that they prefer. Have you had much of a response from the Catholic church in terms of trying to get them to provide a basis of, of a position in in light of your allegations and your research?
2: Oh, no, Jason. I haven't. Surprisingly, I haven't, I haven't heard a peep, but of course I don't think they would be very receptive to that because obviously that would mean that a number of skeletons would be flying out of their closets. And, you know, seriously, when you think of what they have covered up over the centuries.
0: How do you think Catholics who are in the church right now should respond when they hear this information? Because the allegations are pretty massive in terms of the faith of understanding the hierarchical order of the church and traditions. And so how do you think Catholics who are listening to this podcast who have a a deep desire to keep the church accountable. How do you think that they should respond when they hear this information from our talk today?
2: Well, definitely. I hope that it does light uh, something under them to, to go forward and to really, if every single Catholic, when you think of it, would just send a postcard and ask the hierarchy, why have you lied to us over the centuries? Why are you not following what your commissions find? Back in 1976, Jason, the Pope has his own commission. It's called the Pontifical Biblical Commission. And this was unreal. It was wonderful. They came out with the finding that there is no biblical reason to prevent woman mm-hmm. in our church from becoming priest. So my question is, if every Catholic will get that postcard and just ask, why are you not following the Pope's own commission's finding that woman can be priest? I mean, 1976, they have just sat on that. And let's skip back two years before that, 1974, It's ironic, they were looking into the question of women deacons. And what happened with Pope Francis in 2016? He started a whole new commission on that very topic. Well, back when they did it in 74, there were three Greek studies, early studies, and they were all in agreement. Who is a, a deacon? A deacon is anyone, whether it was a male or female, they would be on the altar in the church. They would be right in front of the bishop. And of course, he would lay hands on them while officiating in prayer. And they would put like a stove over each of their necks. And they would as well receive the cup to drink from. And women back then were known as woman deaconesses. So now we know we definitively had woman deacons. And as well, there's no reason why women can't be priests. And yet, why hasn't any of this happened? I mean, I, this is you talk about major cover up.
0: I would think that any organization that wants to maintain control, that's male dominated and men who control things. So if you look at it critically from an outside point of view, not even look at it from orthodoxy or religion, mm-hmm. if you just look at it as an organization that. It's spiritual in nature, yes, but there's still human beings running it. And you see that's been male dominated for how long? And you think if you try to get those male-dominated individuals to give up their power and control equally to women, they're gonna Too resist
2: and
0: they're gonna they're gonna go under the shroud yes. of tradition, orthodoxy, mm-hmm. just because, right? Right. I mean, you can't you can't fight when someone doesn't want to accept other viewpoints and to Look at those viewpoints from the perspective that they should be taken seriously. You're challenging the paradigm of the Catholic church. And I love that. Okay. I believe in challenging paradigms for equal purposes to ava- <laughs> to advance women and give women equal status they deserve in society. You can't have half the population of a society or any country or any organization like the Catholic church deny equal rights to its members, deny equal rights to citizens under its authority. And so from my vantage point, I look at everything you're telling me right now and I believe it. I believe that there's been women deaconesses and I believe that women were likely priests. And I think part of it was because of control. It's it's all about control and domination and, and controlling orthodoxy. I think that that is probably, and I'm speculating of course, because I'm one opinion, like you're one opinion, but from our positions, really approaching this issue, how else can you approach it other than to think that the only reason that they haven't accepted other viewpoints to change these things and make it more equal is from a position of fear, a position of control, a position of corruption and a position of dominance.
2: And that control and that dominance, I personally feel that if I'm out picketing, like, say, for Catholic woman priests and it's like hitting a brick wall, uh, I you know will mention some of the facts I've told you. Well, well, well that can't be true. And I said, why? And they said, well, our church has told us so. Our hierarchy has has told us the truth, and you are lying to us. And no matter and another thing is because this new information is not in the Bible. Then again, that puts a whole black mark on it. Why should I take biblical research when I have the Bible here? And there's nothing about any whisper how, of how woman this, and, you know, uh, positions like that in the Bible.
0: How does this change your viewpoint in your faith in the Catholic Church? Like, how has it altered what you personally identify with? What resonates with you?
2: Well, oh, right now it's like a, a dual a dual thing because it I shouldn't say dual. It's Jesus that I'm resonating with because. I mean, logically, I should be leaving the church because of the hypocrisy and because of being lied to. I, I I'm not using the right words. It's just so exasperating because it's like you're going around and around in a circle. And even when I try to get this message out, and I'm telling the truth, it's either because it isn't in the Bible. Or they have been told by their hierarchy, and their church knows. And if you know anything about the Catholic Church history, there used to be a term that was called pray and obey. Mm. And particularly, like when I grew up in the 50s and the 60s, I just knew I wouldn't question my pastor, let alone whatever Rome was doing. But this was really, has had a very detrimental effect on the average Catholic, because especially as you go through your life, you just don't ever question the church. And yet, wasn't that just wonderful for the church hierarchy in regards to priest sexual abuse? There was no one in there, in a sense, asking any questions, being present to see what was actually had taken place, is taking place. There's just so much need for improvement. And the younger generation, the millennials, you have, if I'm fed up, you have got to really be fed up with the church. But this is your time. And I'm I'm just not throwing these words out. Finally, this is the time to confront this issue and to make the church accountable you know, when you think of it, Jason, they're basically in the driver's seat. Is, is anyone questioning any of their moves? Historically,
0: if you yeah. question them, you could be excommunicated. Right. you could be considered a heretic. Yes. So most people are probably afraid to question the church. They don't want to be excommunicated. They don't want to be seen as heretics, right?
2: That's a good point. But I unfortunately, one of the points that they don't realize is because they don't want to, like, question Vatican II had a constitution on the church in the modern world, and it was just such a wonderful vision then. Pope John XXIII has since died. He died of cancer, and unfortunately, all the things that he wanted to start to initiate were never really became true, but he wanted to open the windows of the church, and he wanted the church to see the signs of the times. So, if you look at the Catholic Church now, those windows have been completely closed. <laughs> those shades are completely drawn. And seriously, the Catholics, so many Catholics don't realize you have the right to question your church in the Constitution on the laity. If there's an issue of importance, yes, you do have the right. To, to to question your church. So
0: that They should allow people to have dissent and dissenting opinions and viewpoints. I know that things are orthodoxy and they're built in, or you know, very orthodox. Mm-hmm. And But my, my vantage point I'm looking at, when you think of the Catholic church, everything that you've, we've brought up so far today, how was the church able to eliminate past women, bishops, deacons, and priests? And when did that occur?
2: Back in the Middle Ages, there was... A canon lawyer that started basically saying that women were never ordained, even though there was early lists that have not only the male list in their role as priests, but females. And these were made up both, not only by bishops, by popes. So, again, there's that factual context there. But these canon lawyers, finally, they were really devious and they came up with the best possible solution. When they began with their new church law called Canon Law, they added this caveat that woman could no longer be allowed on the altar. Well, if you're a woman priest, a woman deacon, a woman bishop, and now suddenly you can't go up on that altar, so that really cleared out things very quickly.
0: What has been the Catholic church's official position on women becoming priests?
2: They're stuck with the view that at the last supper, there was only males present as well as with Jesus. And this new biblical research is saying that the last supper meal was a Seder meal. And according to a Seder meal, you would have your immediate family there, you would have your relatives, you would have your friends. So we're talking about a big gathering. We're just not talking Jesus along with the 12 apostles. So there, yes, there were women there that were present.
0: It sounds more and more to me that things were officially changed, altered for purposes of convenience, from what you're saying, if that's accurate, if there was a a Seder, and if it was Groups of people attending Jesus's family there and everyone else.
2: Yes. They
0: did the one, they go back to recount it. It's like modern day, a thousand people show up to an event and they only show 10 in the picture. And they try <laughs> to say, those 10 people are the ones that were there. <laughs> I, It makes you scratch your head when you think about it. Because if you it, think it about-
2: does, it, do- it makes no sense. And beyond that, another big point is they'll take the contention of, Jesus, as we know, chose twelve male apostles, but John Wiesgaard, a former Catholic priest, in his book, he brings out the point that if you looked at Israel then, it was a purely patristic culture at the time that Jesus was around, and I really believe Jesus knew there was no way if he picked twelve women to represent the (laughs) twelve tribes of Israel. He would have been run over some a hill or, you know, into a ravine, whatever. He had to do the best he could do at his time. But the church took that point explicitly to mean because when Jesus chose those first 12, that somehow became explicit that after that time, he would never want any woman to become priest. And there's actually this one point that I mentioned is one point out of four others. And the church has always contended that these points are all biblical in nature, where in fact, they're not. The first one also was the belief that men believe that women were made in the image of God. And of course, these men were coming from the point, for the most part, they had sovereignty over a woman, unless you were a rich woman. And then there was the belief that, uh, according to Paul, that a woman shouldn't be teaching in the church. But when they did the research, there was a common law at that time that came out. We can't have like women up uh, teaching in public because of their emotional instability, their mental feebability. And surprisingly, this condition was more prevalent in women than it was in men. Then we jumped to the idea that Eve carried sin. So, of course, women were carrying sin. And uh, obviously, they wouldn't be the most stellar candidates for priesthood if they had this stain of sin. But Everybody
0: sins according to the church. (laughs) We're born with sin.
2: Well, but this was, you know, sin back then was even worse. We're going way back into Genesis, you know, and of course it was miraculous. There were perfect candidates at that time for the priesthood and they were men. And then the last point was because Jesus was a male and at the uh, consecration, at the offertory of the mass, we have to have only males up there on the altar. So all these five points that I mentioned, none of them actually are biblical. So my question today to our church authority is, couldn't you have come out with some type of a pronouncement and say that you were sorry, but this is not fact. And of course, we know this is just more information that's conveniently misplaced or not The truth is not elaborated, you know, in regards to that.
0: How do you think the Catholic Church would look or appear differently if women were in the priesthood and in the positions of authority within the church, even a female pope?
2: Uh, Well, first of all, being a woman, of course, I think it was wonderful. (laughs) It'd be a breath of fresh air. But when you think of the, the young girls in the church, realistically, who are their models do they see woman priests up on the altar? No. no. Woman bishops? No. no. Okay, of course, for the young boys growing up, what do they see all the time? They see priests. They see males up on the altar. And it even runs through families, like, say, an Irish family through the generations. Sean could have been a bishop. Christopher was a priest. And Ryan was Maybe became a pope. No, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> reaching there, but you know what I mean? It's just, it's a religious heritage, is what I'm saying. That's what's missing for any woman. And by having that, what a, a perfect role model would Mary, Mother of God, be for any young girl to see this?
0: Have you worked with other activists within the church globally? Have you worked with other organizations or? similar minded individuals to work together? Because you know how strength comes in numbers.
2: Yes. No, no, I haven't. And why is that? I really didn't think about it. I mean, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm just one person.
0: I
1: understand.
2: And I'm on my little, um, my mission. One of the other podcasters, Matt Napple said, Margaret, are you David going against Goliath? And I said, yes, (laughs) I'm little David going against the Catholic church. And I, I feel that weight because at first, even before I wrote the book, I had some intrepidation, you know, being just one person. And, and Well,
0: and I asked that for a reason because there are other organizations that exist that you might be able to be in line with and they might like your book a lot because from what you're you're discussing, I don't consider these viewpoints radical, by the way. I don't consider them radical. I don't consider them blasphemous and I don't consider them to be controversial. I think what you're saying and what you're doing as a passionate individual who's an advocate for viewpoints that might differ than what's been accepted within the church. But keep in mind, 600 years ago, we all thought the earth was flat, Mm -hmm. right? And then viewpoints change. And 500 years ago, slavery existed across the world and viewpoints change. And hundred years ago in the United States, women got the right to vote viewpoints change. Now, I know people argue that the church is not a governmental entity. It's not like the United States democratic institutions and all that, but it's still an institution that a billion people ascribe to and believe in. I think the Catholic church can do better. Oh, I don't yeah. think it takes a lot. It's not going to take them a lot to entertain these ideas, even if they, I mean, you've already indicated that back in 1976, the Pope has already, at the time, the Pope at the time already had addressed this issue and came down with the position that women could be priests in the church. Is that Uh, accurate?
2: From from the biblical commission. That's what they presented him. And then he just sat on that.
0: We have a commission that's organized by the Pope. (laughs) They do their own position. They do their own evaluation. And they say, women can be priests. And what did the Pope do? Buried it. Here we are 44 years later, 45 years later, still from ground zero in the same position, the needle hasn't moved at all.
2: I know. And isn't that really sad?
0: How could you get the Pope that's currently in office, that's currently in charge of the church to take up this issue and look at it seriously? What steps do you think need to be done?
2: I think the Catholic lady, that's what I'm trying to do through these podcasts is to start a conversation worldwide amongst women that it spreads and that they understand, finally, this is the truth. And and they really have an issue. And they have to be behind it to, again, make the hierarchy accountable to move. Because Jason, when you were talking about back, uh, women's rights, back in the 1920s, Pope Francis, back in 2010, had a book out on heaven and earth. And he came out with the point, that the woman feminists basically achieved what they wanted when women received the right for suffrage. And <laughs> I mean, we can laugh about it, but seriously, take that out of that public arena, bring it right into the hierarchy of our church. And if you have an individual who is at the head of that hierarchy and really is coming from that belief well, no wonder this issue is not on the radar. You know what I mean? You know what it is. It's a hierarchy.
0: Even if you had leaders in the church that favor what you're saying, you're going to have the entire system that's going to be resistant to change. If you look at any institution, and religious institutions are still institutions run by humanity for humanity, right? Right. Run by men. It's a male-dominated institution. When you look at that and you're going to say, okay, we're going to suggest that women should be given equal rights in the institution that we are talking about here the church. There's fear. I'm sure among male members of the clergy and the hierarchy that if they relinquish control and allow equality with women in the church, that it will probably change their positions permanently and forever. And once they give up that control and once they give up that authority and share it with women, they probably fear that they'll never have the things will never be the same again. And those fears have probably been what's limiting any kind of true change within the church to adopt these issues. What's your viewpoint when you think that there's an institution that's male-dominated that the Pope could be in the position to make changes, but even if the Pope wanted to make changes, the rest of the actual institution itself, bureaucratically, would likely resist the Pope in such a way that it's going to take a lot to implement changes gradually over time. Do you think this is something that can be done in our lifetime in the next 20 or 30 years? Or do you think this is something that's going to take another two millennia to address?
2: Um, I think it, it it could change because if you just look at the issue of priest shortage, the male priest, the Catholic Church is now hemorrhaging as far as the shortage of Catholic priests. And yet, are they making any move to, to bring on women? No. I, I mean, this is awful, but they're going to hang on to the, to the last possible rope that they can hang on to. But this is the same hierarchy that did, like, studies. And they could see back in the mid-'70s that the males that were entering the priesthood had really started to take a dive as compared to the years before. So what did they do? Nothing. 1980s, what did they do? Nothing. 1990s, all of a sudden you had all these uh, parishes that were closing because that shortage was starting. And then the sad part of that was, forget about putting the blame on the Pope or the hierarchy. The bishops, they have a canon law that they have never used they themselves can appoint a deacon or a lay person to be in charge of a parish. Why wasn't this done? You had all these parishes closing left and right. They didn't all have to close. There again, I'm wondering, now again, supposing, were they afraid to relinquish their power?
0: I would say yes. (laughs) Yes. It's just, I mean, I'm spe- we're speculating because we're not involved in the hierarchical decisions and we don't have privy to the conversations that they have engaged in. But in terms of a speculative nature, if they didn't make changes and they didn't do things, it would be at least reasonable to think that they probably feared change and feared giving up and relinquishing control because their actions could have spoke otherwise if they had chosen to not be driven by fear.
2: Definitely. Fear of change, and fear of
0: relinquishing control, et cetera, et cetera.
2: With this shortage of priests, this is the opening where woman priest, woman religious could start to slowly fell this awful hemorrhaging ranks. Because what by the hierarchy not doing anything aside from the parishes taking a dive and closing. They affected of all sacraments, the sacrament of the Eucharist. Um, Our Mass, it used to be called a Mass, now it's called the Liturgy of the Eucharist. Well, that can't always be done everywhere, because now with the shortage of priests, what they have enacted is a communion service, where they take hosts that were previously consecrated, and then you will have a deacon hand out communion, say some prayers. But when you think of it, they had all those years They could see the writing on the wall. And yet it was like, just steer ahead. We're going into the iceberg. That's all right.
0: (laughs) What have you found to be the reaction of people in your life about your book coming out? How have other Catholics that you're close with or people you've had in your life, how have they responded to you?
2: I've had some relatives that were very receptive. I've had other Neighbors that I've literally are receiving the, uh, the cold shoulder that used to talk to me or I'd wave to them. No, no longer. And then there was one lady, she was in her 80s and I knew her for years. She's in my parish. So after the, the book was published in February, so that following December, I thought, oh, this would be a neat Christmas gift. So I I send her the book and I get this phone call. Peggy, what is this? I said, do you realize in that title, I said, I hope you're not upset with scandal. That means omission. The church has omitted the fact that Mary, Mother of God, was a priest. And she just was just so... She just didn't want it. She said, what should I do with this book? She said, my daughter wants it. And I said, well, that's fine. I said, give it to your daughter. But I I really was taken back because I just, you know, sometimes you you have a feeling of how you know people. But this, this really know, threw me for a loop.
0: I want to use an analogy for a minute. During this pandemic and these troubling times we've been going through, I've noticed people who you're close with, could have completely contrary views to you. Depending on how they approach you could basically, I'd say, help the two parties come together when there's differences of opinion. So for example, I don't have a lot of tolerance for people who have conspiracy theories about the vaccine. I just don't want to deal with it. It, For me personally, I have my own viewpoints. Now, if someone's reasonable about their approaches and we could discuss it, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But if they're not reasonable, then... You can't really have much of a dialogue, right? So when you gave the example of your friend with your book, if your friend's not able to accept your viewpoints, you can't really have a dialogue with her to try to at least give her your point of view. If you're giving her your book and saying, hey, Merry Christmas, here's a book that you can read to just get you to think as a fellow woman in the Catholic faith, that the stuff we were fed from childhood all the way up till now, and you're 80 something years old and I'm in my blank, Myself, I want to share my views with you so you're aware of it. I'm not doing a disservice in sharing my views. I want you to know what I found, what I believe, and I want you to think critically about it. If that person can meet you halfway, then the dialogue can be had. And you might be able to come in agreement with each other, either agree to disagree. Or, yeah, women should be Catholic priests. Women should be in the hierarchy of the church. There's nothing holding them back. Everyone's made in God's image, it's not just males. Everyone's in God's image. So if everyone's in God's image and if you're reputable and you're and you're ethical and you're moral and you are invested in the church and this is a a career path you want to take in your life, total commitment of your life to the faith, Mm -hmm. then any female in the Catholic faith should be able to do that. That's my viewpoint as well.
2: You really elaborated. Yes. And of course, it all makes sense. What confines me is, especially today in, in 2021. Why there are so many women that are afraid to tell what their views are.
0: And so years ago, I never spoke on positions of faith. I never spoke on positions of social justice. I kept my mouth to myself. I was raised, you know, you were raised, my, my family raised me. Don't ever talk about controversial things among colleagues and friends. Religion. After last year, I become very vocal myself. I don't hide my opinions anymore. Obviously, I have my own podcast. I can't hide my opinions. If I hid my opinions, what's the point of having your own show? You got to have faith in your in your decisions, right? All right. And so for me, I'm outspoken. I'm not afraid to be outspoken because anyone who disagrees with me, fine, disagree with me. But meet me halfway. Let's have a dialogue. And if you can't meet me halfway to understand what I'm trying to say, just like with what you're saying today, if we couldn't meet halfway to have a dialogue about this, you're never going to change, grow, evolve, help others to understand critical aspects of the issues. We have to have a dialogue. And have you been able to even get someone to sit down with you from the Catholic church on even the local level of where you live in Buffalo, New York, the local diocese? Has anyone even reached out to you and said, hey, I'd like to sit down with you and discuss your book. I know that there are viewpoints that are different than different than what I'm looking at, but I'd like to at least-
2: not, No, not at all. <laughs>
0: And why do you think that is?
2: I, I really think they just see it as such a, a controversy, and especially if you're in a, a religious person, clergy, obviously you would be going against your hierarchy, and but there are a few priests that are open, but basically, unfortunately, the majority no, afraid is too as well
0: how do you think women in the church feel all these centuries that they can't be seen as equal to men?
2: Well, unfortunately I don't really hear from, I'm not really getting positive feedback, you know, that, Hey, that's great. Or, you know, we should, something should happen. Uh, I've had this one woman come out and was in the middle of winter and she whipped her coat open and she had a cup of water and, I was picketing against the pre-sexual abuse, and she started blessing us. She got to me. I said, no, ma'am. I said, I belong in that church. I know exactly what's going on. But she started yelling, you're the people. You're the ones that are destroying the church. And there's so many individuals that they are so mad at us for standing up for children being raped and yet they turn it around and they are protecting the the hierarchy the who is responsible for the everything abusers. that has transpired.
0: The purported abusers. That's yes. who they're protecting, the purported abusers.
2: I, I can't, I really can't make any sense of it. It's
0: Based on your review of this stuff and picketing. How widespread have you found this problem to be in the United States among the Catholic faith, amongst the different dioceses and churches and stuff, the sex scandal?
2: Oh, my God. Uh, In Buffalo, New York, our area is so bad that they had to close the seminary. The seminary that I got my pastoral ministry, East Aurora, uh, Christ the King Seminary in East Aurora, New York, that's closed down. Why? Because of the shenanigans that were going on there. The uh, priest in authority, basically threatening priests from foreign countries: if you don't have you know what with me tonight, your green card will go away. Oh yes, that this is.
0: That's in Buffalo.
2: That's in that yeah, East Aurora is outside of Buffalo, New York. Um, Bishop that we had finally, the Pope told him, "Look at." You have to resign. So he comes back to Buffalo, all smiles. Oh, I, I decided I'm going to retire. No, I, I didn't have to retire. I just decided I have to retire. He's still lying. He just became our bishop. And a priest that was just let go by the former bishop, all of a sudden is reinstated by this new bishop. I thought, what is going on here? So of course, this priest went back to his old ways And the bishop's moving him like a chessboard here, there, everywhere. Well, he really got creative. He contacted a cruise ship line and he wrote a glowing letter. This priest, his moral character is just superb. And uh, one of the news stations here in Buffalo had the actual email copy of the letter. That's what you do when you can't. You've moved them practically to uh, West Seneca, Orchard Park, you name it, everywhere. And where what? Where else do you go?
0: When you picket, when you do a picket, are you there by yourself? Are you with others?
2: A few times I've been there by myself when it was to coincide with where they pray in the Catholic Church for men to become priests. And I was out in front of the church alone. And especially if you're picketing alone, that is when people just seem more, it'd be like on the internet, those trolls on the internet could yeah, yeah. say anything they want. Of course, well, so. you, there's only one person out there. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. But I, I just know that I have the truth behind me. And um, one man, he really bumped into me, like from the shoulder, trying to knock me down. Yeah. That's
0: Christian-like.
2: <laughs> there was no no one around. I mean, it was just deliberate.
0: Terrifying. That's bad. Let me ask you this. If our audience wanted to contact you, what would be the best way for them to reach you?
2: Yes. Uh, thanks, Jason. If they could please go to Your radicaltruth.com. And I do have a petition up there uh, asking uh, our present pope to bring back the title of Mary, Mother of God, as the model for all priesthood, and to bring back her portrait. Up to 1913 in Rome, it was allowed to have a a picture of Mary in priestly attire hanging up on the wall.
0: Has there been any response to your request to have this handled with your petition from the Pope yet, or anyone from the Pope's office?
2: Oh, not yet, no.
0: How long have you been trying to get their attention with this?
2: Oh, since day one, when I started doing these podcasts.
0: How long ago was that?
2: Each podcast I do, I get more numbers. So, you know, as it keeps growing.
0: Has that been since February? Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Part of me that I like to do for my show too, is pick up on various viewpoints outside of the mainstream that I consider something very important to have us all look at critically, think about critically and understand And even if there's Catholics in the audience that don't agree with your viewpoints, at least if they're able to think about it critically, no harm, no foul, we can at least have a dialogue. That's the important part of all this, raising awareness of these issues so that we can have a conversation about it.
2: And I really appreciate it because then people can really learn about it.
0: Exactly. I I, I say that with all due respect to what you're doing, because I, I really do believe change sometimes occurs so incrementally, we never notice it. It's like the grass growing, right? Things can happen so slow, 46 years ago, <laughs> when you have so much that's going on in the meantime. So I think it's important for us to do a grassroots approach because every organization, every government, every societal aspect of an institution has grassroots foundations to them. And if we can raise the awareness within the church about this particular set of issues and get them to at least grasp, grapple them, start thinking about them. That's progress. Small wins. I believe in small wins. You can start something and get it moving. If the needle moves, as long as it keeps moving, if it's slow, it's still moving. It's still gradual change.
2: Yeah, because there's millions of Catholics here, worldwide, women, that have never seen this truth, let alone thought about it.
0: Well, hopefully they'd be able to watch it and hear about it through our show and other podcasts you go on. And I think the beauty of our era of where we are right now in the digital age is that if you're real passionate about something, you can create a website like you have. You can get people to join together. And that's why I think what you're doing right now and your passion with this and everything else and your courage, takes a lot of courage to do this. I want to thank you for that. Because if you didn't have your courage right now, I wouldn't be having this episode. We wouldn't be having this interview and there wouldn't be a discussion about these issues affecting the Catholic church in our modern era. And I think that it's so important since I am a spiritual podcast, I don't espouse the one faith or or one religion itself but I do believe that every religion should have the ability to be flexible with their congregants, their followers. And when you're talking about something like gender, women versus men, that's such a basic thing that people who have mothers, sisters, daughters, grandmothers, aunts, anyone like that, you should respect the role of women in our society. You should think that women should be equal and you should give women an equal opportunity in everything that men have. That's my viewpoint. So when it comes to Catholic faith, why not? Why can't we have female priests or women in the, the leadership of the hierarchy of the church? It needs to be done. It just makes sense to me. It doesn't even seem to me like something that has to be really fought for in the sense of trying to persuade others because I really do think as generations change in the future at some point you're going to find a generation within the catholic church that's going to make this a reality.
2: Oh that would be wonderful because when you think of it right now half of the whole catholic church we aren't equal. We have half a glass, you know, of water. That's it. And and that is really it's not only shameful, it's abominable.
0: Uh, I know we're running low on time, and I want to thank you for sharing your views today because of how important of an issue this is. It can affect a billion plus people on the globe.
2: Oh, thank and you, Jason.
0: If we can get the Catholic Church to be open minded to these things and start making changes, I feel like other institutions in society can start following the example of the church. I think, I believe everything's interconnected. So if we're in a society right now that we're dealing with all these various questions and issues about equality, diversity, inclusivity, those kind of things, and you have the Catholic Church also grasping with the role of women in the church and the priesthood and opportunities for women, right?
2: Right. Those
0: all flow hand in hand. So if we can get the Catholic Church to accept these ideas and viewpoints and start looking at them critically, the rest of society is going to follow suit and women will eventually you'll have the glass ceiling broken permanently. My viewpoint, my two cents.
2: No, and this is the time that it can happen because this is the time that unfortunately the the skeletons are coming out of our Catholic church history regarding the awful sexual abuse issue. And now this scandal regarding the cover-up of women, their past roles, and Mary, Mother of God, up to 1927, she retained that title. And I wondered what happened. And John Winsgard said, is it a coincidence that in that same year, there were other women from other faith denominations that were starting to ask the question, why can't we as women be priests? So it just conjecture on my part, but it what did what did they say? There's no coincidences. That's it was true. ironic, and that that was the year. And how disrespectful, Jason! What they did was this Roman official was talking to the newspaper man. Oh, we're grateful you covered the article, and it's good that we put this question to sleep. This is something that the average person they wouldn't understand. It. I mean, they're talking about Mary, Mother of God, as some type of an object. And I really found that very disgraceful. How did they ever have the nerve initially to remove that title from Mary?
0: Without explanation or details. Yeah. And that was almost 100 years ago. All that's, on the same
2: that's the closest thing we have. I mean, really, when you think of it.
0: Absolutely. I want to thank you for coming on the show and for sharing this information with us. I think the conversation is so important to have and to be had that I hope our audience looks at this critically and understands what we're trying to discuss, which is elevating the role of women within the church itself. And that's pivotal.
2: Oh, it definitely is.
0: I want to ask you. If you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why? And I'll go first and I'll explain what I mean here. Okay. I would say for spirit animal, it's like finding an animal that aligns with your viewpoints about spirituality. I do owl because i I'm always on a quest for wisdom. I look at above and beyond things as, a, as an intuitive. And I look at the world through the prism of 180 degrees to try to see everything.
2: I relate my birthday to the Chinese year of the rabbit. And that's known as hope. And I love hope because to me, it means a sense of new beginnings. You're like given an extra chance maybe to redo something. And no matter how bad things get, I know it's cliche, we've heard it, you get knocked down, you get back up. But that's really my life is sort of something like that, you know, throughout anyone's life, the trials they go through. uh, But when there's hope there, there's always positivity (laughs) and change, too.
0: And true change takes one step at a time Encourage of people like you creating the awareness of these issues so that they stay in the forefront of our minds. That's neat. I just want to thank Margaret for coming on the show today. She's the author of the book Scandal in the Shadows, the original priest, Mary Mother. I would highly recommend that you check out this book. It's on Amazon. I'm gonna have information about Margaret's website and other contact information in the show notes. This is an important issue to take into consideration. As a member of the audience, when you hear this interview and you listen to this episode, regardless of what your prior viewpoints were, think to yourself, why don't we have women priests in the Catholic Church? Why are women relegated to a different standard when it comes to equality, the men within the faith. And just like anything within our society, when you ask those type of questions that could start the dialogue to make changes in our society, we need to raise awareness of these issues so that we can take what has previously been seen as just one point of view and start really looking at it from a multifaceted viewpoint, only then Can we take scandals that exist in the shadows and expose them to the reality of what they are and make true change in our society? Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Stay positive. When you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook. And don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's,
0: no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Bakers app and save from wherever today. Bakers, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save $1 each with cart. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day?
1: Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a
2: message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with ElectroCast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson We're the founders of ElectroCast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or
0: already have one, join ElectroCast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community.
2: With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support.
0: Go to electricast.com and join our community today.
1: Electricast. Transform your influence.
2: Electricast. Electricast.